Hi all, you're listening to Culture Shocked with Dr. Imer Nolan. Hello, on this episode of the podcast, I am joined by John Tanner. With a career spanning over two decades, John co-founded the Mitchell Lake Group in 2001, right in the midst of the internet boom. Since then, he has been a guiding force for startup, scale-up, and enterprise clients offering invaluable expertise in leadership, executive search, and talent acquisition for digital ventures and initiatives. But John's story doesn't end there. He brings a unique perspective to the table, having worked and lived in a diverse range of cultures throughout his career. This global perspective has enriched his expertise and allowed him to adapt to the complexities of international business. Hi, John. Uh, thank you very much for coming on to the podcast to speak to me and everyone today. Um, just to get us started, would you just give us a background about yourself? Um, yeah, absolutely. And, and first, it's a pleasure to be here and, and thank you for having me. Um, I'm an Australian, originally born in, in Tasmania, uh, down right down a little island at the bottom of Australia. And um, like many people, I think, who, who grew up in regional or more isolated geographies, uh, many of us travel. So I spent a lot of time um, first, you, you go to what we call the mainland when you're from Tasmania, uh, you go north and then uh, very common after university um, to go overseas and spend time in Europe or North America or both. Um, and increasingly common for my cohort of, of graduates and friends and, and contacts to have worked uh, in expat environments, um, either expanding their own companies or working for other companies overseas uh, in, in the US, in Hong Kong, Singapore, in London. Uh, and other parts of Europe and, and increasingly the Middle East um, for, for that cohort as well. But uh, it's it's been a journey where, uh, you know, post-university uh, travelled and worked in many different fields and uh, in, in sort of services and hospitality and operations, ski fields and all sorts of interesting things and islands yeah. here and there and then came back to serious work uh, in Melbourne working for a law firm in legal technology and software, moved in that direction when the internet was really starting to take off in the late 90s. Um, as a as a you know more consumer and boom opportunity uh, for business, uh, we started a business um, you know in 2001 in Sydney in executive search for talent around. I had a co-founder at the time, and we um, started Mitchell Lake, which was um, you know which still is a, a very focused niche um, talent business around emerging technology and internet and change, innovation, growth companies specifically. Mm -hmm. um, that's now gone from a niche to very mainstream. I think every industry uh, we can think of, there's some application of data or AI or blockchain yeah. or, or commerce or distribution so or cloud. So we're, we're right in the middle of all of that. Um, and the last 10 years have seen us do a lot of work, or 15 years really, um, between borders. So building our own business into other markets, but also helping our clients cross from uh, perhaps the US or Europe into Asia Pac or Asia Pac into those markets. Um, even working into Africa and Middle East more recently. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, that's that's taught us some lessons and been a great experience for us, both as operators uh, and also as, as you know, supporters of, of people who've got that mission. That's really interesting. And I can, uh, hopefully we'll get to explore, as you said there, um, all the learning that has, has come with that as well. You mentioned earlier on that, you know, you've lived across uh, various cultures and doing that, obviously, we all know can broaden our own perspective um, and provide us with really valuable 
insight into how we can work together and live together from different cultures effectively. Can I ask you, how was your experience of working and living in, how was that experience of working and living shaped your worldview, I guess, and your approach to problem solving and decision making in your career? Yeah, it's interesting. I think, you know, when I was younger, I lived in, in a lot of different places, uh, even growing up, my parents were, were teachers and, and, you know, we lived in different places while they were doing further education and things in London um, and around different places. But uh, mm -hmm. I've worked in Canada, in London, in Scotland, uh, in Greece, in the US, in Asia um, and Australia. And our business in more recent times has grown into to new markets. Um, so that's led us to San Francisco and Singapore and um, uh, London and now Spain. Um, but I think it just, it, it's sort of, you know, every new place you go, you sort of, you get into more of a rhythm of listening, uh, first seek to understand. I, th I think it's really important uh, not to make assumptions about how things work, even if you've heard or read, um, mm -hmm. you know, maybe there's cliched or obvious things uh, in some cultures that you might be aware of, but um, it's really important to sort of get a feel for the local perspective. And, and you know, local is very different. When people go to the US, they think, oh, I need to be you know, how does the US work? But it's very different on the East Coast versus the West Coast versus uh, Central versus South. Um, Absolutely. They sell in different ways. So for us, the, the utility of, of building that perspective and empathy has really been in things like sales and management communications. And, um, you know, examples of that would be going to the US and on the West Coast where you feel like every meeting is just, is a, just a stellar event and um, you're well received and everyone's enthusiastic, excited and positive and constructive. Um, but you come away and, and then you don't get a call back and you're really confused about why. <laughs> and and it's like, well, uh, you missed all the nonverbal cues or the, or the, the, the you know, the breadcrumbing of, of opportunities for you to put your best foot forward and, and you just didn't recognize that, that what, that's what it is on the West Coast. That also, you know, really specific example is, you know, I was talking to a, we're on a call with a, a very senior a venture capitalist uh, in San Francisco as a ex very senior executive at Google. Um, and, you know, they wanted to know more about us. And I was visiting San Francisco, um, our local team there. We had quite a, a good sized team there at that point. Um, and he asked to explain the history of the business. And when you come from outside San Francisco, every market seems like a generalist market. Even though we were a specialist at the time, we'd only ever done what we've done. And probably the longest existing specialist search business in um, internet emerging tech, you know, anywhere um yeah. and we 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 explained that and he said wow you sound really generalist you work with all those types of companies and all those types of roles and even though it was just in the digital category or the venture category um, mm -hmm. because in that market people want you to solve their specific problem and they're very focused because it's so deep and broad in terms of the capital and the industry uh like is it b2c is it is it is it SaaS? is it uh, a data play is it a payments business and they if you're, if they've got a problem that they need a CFO for a, a mid-sized payments business, they want to know the last 20 times you've done that role and that project, not that yeah. you've done a breadth of projects and experience. Even if you've got that multinational experience and decades of, of sort of projects, um, a lot of which may be relevant, they want to know that you're an expert in that space that solves their problem right then and there, which was something we had to get used to because every other market, you do more because it's smaller markets, you do more breadth across different categories of, of business or different types of roles um, in those bigger, deeper markets you don't. So I think that's another thing, really learning what your audience is interested in and what they're mm -hmm. motivated by. And that that applies equally, I think, for employees, like, you know, employees in, in 
uh, different countries have different expectations and motivations and ways of, yeah. of communicating and they respond some respond really well to direct feedback and some uh, prefer a, a less hierarchical less structured conversation and uh, the US I find a much flatter you know everyone's much more in a peer relationship and, and less hierarchies whereas that can be um, confronting or something new for for certain parts of, of you know markets in Asia where we have teams or, or individuals we're working with um, they like more structure sometimes uh, yeah I think it's all everything's constantly changing in terms of I think uh, the world of business is merging in different ways um, to, to common themes but uh, there's always nuances yeah, and you're so right. And especially I can only imagine all the, the challenges as well. So we know that having cultural experiences is really beneficial for us, but it's also beneficial in the way that it tests us. Right. And it pushes us to our boundaries of trying to think outside of our own cultural bubble. Um, and I'm sure you have a load of examples, um, but maybe if you could share some with us of, you know, a particular cultural challenge that you faced uh, while living or working abroad and how you actually came, uh, how it felt initially and then how, what was that process that you, you started to manage it and take it under control and what did you learn from that? Yeah, I, I think probably, um, you know, in every culture or, or situation or team or management situation, it's about trust building um, as quickly as you can and finding commonality uh, as people and, and common th interests and things like that. And I think we haven't seen, there haven't been brutal challenges. I, I wouldn't say there's been anything stark apart from the commercial example I gave, um, which can be a little bit stark and, and confronting once you realise you are not succeeding, uh, for example, in, in commercially or selling the way you would like to or, or being approaching the market the way you should. Uh, but in terms of management and, and working with people, I think it's interesting not, um, you know, if I, I think about going into Singapore and coming from Australia, Australia's, you know, Singapore and Australia are very similar in some ways. They, they love food, they're very social, mm -hmm. um, but they have very different views of what that looks like, how it interprets. Like in Australia, it would be, okay, let's go to a, a pub or a, a, an event and have a few drinks and, and that was kind of much more common and, and food would be a part of that. In Singapore, it's more about the food and, and lunch is a thing, you know, like it's very much everyone's interested in, have you, have, have you taken your lunch? And it's quite common in Australia that you would sit at your desk and eat a sandwich and have a coffee and just keep working. Uh, in Singapore, that's really a ritual to, to take that time with your, with your um, colleagues uh, and, and go and have a conversation and take that time away from work and have a proper sit down lunch in it in a similar way to you know Spain it's more extreme you have uh, siesta yeah. and, and and proper breaks in the day here and it works differently but um so you, you need to find ways of connecting and, and building connection Singapore also isn't big on sport and talking about sport for example mm -hmm. it's much more about different elements of you know, perhaps the region or travel or, or politics or general knowledge or goings on and events um, mm -hmm. That are, that are more in, in the news cycle, much less about your favourite sporting team and talking about that, which is very, again, very different to say the US or, or Australia. Um, yeah, so you've exactly. got, to, you've got to figure out ways to build trust in that sense. Otherwise, yeah. you, you know, you need to get close enough to um, you know, to work effectively together and to like that experience of working, I think. Um, yeah. And not everyone is, is going to get along, even in the same culture. Uh, there are plenty of different styles of personality and, and people who, you know, but they can be respectful and, and understanding and still trust each other. Um, yeah. And we, you know, uh, probably a really good example for us was um, we've always been quite intentionally distributed globally. Like we're not a, a big business with 25 people and we're 
you know, we've been as many as 70 when we had a couple of different lines of business, but um, we, we were very distributed very early and that led to you know, complications of how do you manage in the US versus Asia versus Australia versus Europe yeah. um, and interact. But what happened during COVID was we were all forced to be remote and there was a real, what's a democratization of, of geography because all of a sudden it wasn't like, you know, a, a feeling that one dominant group of people or, or the founding team or executives were in one particular uh, office or location spending time around the water cooler. It was very much, everyone has more equal access and everyone's collaborating more. So what we did have to do is we did more with less and we worked a lot more with people in, you know, there, there wasn't a project and there still isn't now that we don't have people in three regions working on each project. Yeah, yeah. Which, and we went from a focus of let's build everything around local operations and relationships with that market to let's just build great capability and flex across borders and across capabilities and across things. And it's led to a really great um, sort of connection between uh, those people in those locations that didn't yeah. necessarily have that proximity before uh, emotionally. And <clears throat> it's been a fantastic experience for us to now work collectively you know, in an integrated way. Yeah, I think that's fantastic, uh, especially the or the multicultural dynamics that are going on within your even team. I mean, I can just imagine all the opportunities there for for higher levels of innovation and higher levels of creativity. I wonder, do you have any examples of how, for example, there you said that you had, you know, at any one time there's three people from different backgrounds working on stuff you know how do those diverse perspectives and backgrounds lead to more creative solutions and projects yeah well absolutely well for us it's the connectivity and, and interaction with different markets means that we get access to different talent pools um, different businesses and brands and knowledge of those markets mm -hmm. um, which is really useful in, a, in a, an expertise and a tactical sense um, to collaborate across those borders but it's sort of you know, I can give an example. We had, say, an Australian investor and founding team based in Melbourne who wanted a CEO in the US. And I was based in Singapore. Um, the lead principal was for research was based in London. Uh, we had another person based in KL who worked on that project. Um, and it's obviously lots of time zones to manage. And it's, it's you know, there's a challenge around that. But the different perspectives mean that people, and a lot of our work is research-based. So when you're researching, if everyone sort of researches the same things using the same terms, the same brands and, and same profiles, you know, you get very similar results. And there's not as much benefit, I don't think, to, to that collaboration. It's You can have a division of labor, you can create efficiencies, but effect, it's more effective from our perspective. And we're, we're trying to find people who are really who are not obvious uh, and it's not easily, it's not easy to define between certain, you know, what roles are called, for example, in some markets versus other markets or some mm -hmm. companies versus other companies. Um, so that collective experience from, you know, Sophie who's French living in London and Aditi who's, you know, a Canadian Indian living in, in KL, uh, yeah. myself, it, it's the different ways of searching and looking for information, communicating um, and sharing that with each other. So sharing our own perspectives on what does this really look like or what, what could this role be called in another company or what is this company trying to achieve that we've seen elsewhere in another market? For example, certain markets are well in advance uh, in a technical sense or an industry sense of others because they've had opportunity or the right investment at the right time or, or certain players and, and participants in the market that have driven you know, success and innovation um, in a certain category of, say, banking and finance. Um, Australia had a really good banking and finance digitization process in the early, late 90s, early 2000s, and some of them were 
were excellent. It's the same with airlines. You know, we, we take learnings from airlines have had to do things with technology with much less margins and they, you know, they do direct, they do channels, they do self-service, they have apps, they have onboard experience, they have lounge experience, and it all hangs together around a, a, a data program called Loyalty. And it's, okay. that is the, the complete sort of experience in a way. So we take not just cultural cues, but also um, different contexts and different lenses yeah. that can be shone on different, you know, on things that we're working on that might be additive to insight and expertise, um, knowledge that we can share with our clients and, and candidates. I, I love this. And it also leads me to the next question for, for everything that's innovative and creative. Um, we also know there's there's another thing that's running parallel and that's cultural misunderstandings that yeah. can lead to conflict or misinterpretation, for example. I mean, have you any incidents where you experienced cultural misunderstanding and what was your initial reaction? And after time, how did you address it? Yeah, it's, it's interesting. We, we probably see it more directly. Um, we, we get cultural misunderstanding between different types of companies as well as geographies and, and different yeah. Um, you know, actual cultures, but things like someone coming from a, a very large software company where it's been really hierarchical and globally focused uh, into a, a very large services company where they've had a, a, you know, for the services company's partner base, which is very flat and globally, you know, more a collection of fiefdoms um, with 4,000 CEOs rather than one CEO and then a cascading sort of structure down. And, and we found that was, it was it didn't work out like it was something that didn't take and it was one of those situations where the candidate was absolutely outstanding and had a, a stellar career and incredible capability but it didn't land you know i don't think they were set up for success in the way they didn't land in the organization that uh, we ended up placing them into uh, in the right way and that culture didn't quite take right and it was yeah. uh, not yeah. so much a, some of it was was probably related to um, geographic and, and some of those elements but a lot was also related to the style and nature of the business and the culture within those large organizations being so different um and i think that's probably something that leads me to you know we, we've observed that if someone's been in one style of culture or operation geographically or in terms of industry or, or you know the nature of the organization they're in being very particular for a long period of time without any change um sometimes that can be harder to to yeah. bed into a new environment and we see that between startup and growth companies in enterprise. We see that between uh, US uh, executives or Australian executives going in, in, into Asia and perhaps being assumptive that, um, you know, they talk about Asia as a market rather than Southeast Asia being sort of 27, uh, different <laughs> languages, different styles, different, you know, different speeds. Yeah. Um, you know, if you don't know that the Philippines is, is, is you know, 60% of that stock market is owned by uh, a handful of uh, families. Um, you know, mm -hmm. it, it could take a while to understand how that dynamic works and who the major players are and what their motivations and, and how to partner with them is. So there's lots of little nuances to those things. But yeah, where we see challenges, I think we've learned that, um, you know, we're transitioning from one type of organisation or geography or, or location to another, um, that people have, um, you know, had experience with managing change significantly before and being that they're naturally curious, that they're not sort of bedded down in a way of working or thinking that is going to be hard for them to shake um, or quickly enough for them to adapt to that new environment and enjoy it, you know, because if, if they find those blocks in the first three to six months, it's going to be really hard for them to, to work in a complex environment that's very different from one they're experienced in. And, that, and that's so true because 
a lot of the times, especially even if you you branch away here and we talk about organizational culture, you know, you have some people it's getting less and less now. Um, but you do have people who have worked in companies for 15, 20 years and, and they get very comfortable with how the culture in that company works. So the difficulty then is if they change, it, it's almost like you have to break a habit and then relearn. Yeah. Um, and a new way of of fitting into a different organization. And the same thing happens as well within in national cultures when you move abroad, as you know, <laughs> from living now in Spain. A absolutely. Um, yeah. yeah. And I think it's sort of there are attributes that you say, well, everyone talks about things like resilience and things, but I think curiosity is, is a really important um, sort of value or, or, you know, way of being to help when you're making sort of transitions from culture to culture or organization to organization or location to location. Um, I think if you're naturally curious, you're probably more inclined to ask questions and listen and, and listen to stories and start you know, appropriating those stories and, and cultural elements, um, whether they be organizational or, or social. Um, and, and then, you know, make your own opinion or figure out where you, what you don't know. Because I think it's really important to understand what you don't know, uh, yes. where you have gaps and, you know, with working with other companies and working for ourselves, going to new markets, we've always found it really important to hire a good local <laughs> very quickly. Uh, yeah. So a leader who's on the ground and we place leaders on the ground, we find leaders on the ground for, um, you know, we've done that historically for very big technology companies coming out of the West Coast and East Coast of the US, uh, mm -hmm. from Europe into Asia, from, from Australia into the US and, and into Europe and Asia from Australia as well. So, we, we see the value in that, but we experienced it going into the US. And, and again, probably harking back to those, you know, those experiences where we thought we had great traction, but it just wasn't ticking over and it wasn't sustainable. We weren't getting the next meeting or the, the, the signature on the contract um, mm -hmm. to, to getting the right local leaders involved who brought that empathy of, well, this is how you close the sale here. And this is how you follow yeah. up. And this is, this is what you need to know going into that meeting before you even you know, think about scheduling it. Um, and, and that made all the difference. And we've seen that with our clients as well. But as soon as you sort of bring that element, and they have to be the right person for, on a whole bunch of other levels as well, but the extra benefit you get from someone having that insight is, is enormous. Absolutely. And from your, from your own personal perspective, because so if we take your business to one side and we look at you as, as a person, um, from moving around the whole time um, and readjusting and assimilating into different cultures. Uh, can you share some of the valuable life lessons that you've learned um, for your own personal growth uh, through cross-cultural experiences? Yeah, I, I, it's interesting. Like, you know, I probably touched on my parents, but were pretty mobile when I was younger. And we, I think we yeah. lived in 10 or 12 different places before I was 20. And, and so it was sort of uh, some of that was international, most of it was within state, but you, you became very adaptable and very open uh, because you you wanted to fit in really quickly. You wanted to understand the place you'd landed and as, as you know, growing up. And I, I sort of continued that theme, I think, um, professionally, but personally, uh, I love going to new places. That's, it's given me a great um, sense of confidence that I can go anywhere and, and set up and find a, a, you know, find your tribe locally. That's probably the, the thing that I think is, is, um, most valuable is being able to find people who have common values, common interests, um, yeah. can be great collaborators, um, you know, friends, sources of information, partner service providers, you know, just becoming part of a community really quickly. Um, so I think what that, that experience has given me is probably a sense of what I value in a community. 
mm-hmm. um, community itself, but you know, sharing information and, and being useful and, and productive and, and, you know, connecting with other people who have um, shared interests and curiosities about the things that you do professionally and personally. And, um, you know, I, I think that makes life easier, but also more enjoyable where you have, um, you know, you enjoy that process of getting to know people and finding out about a story about the story of the town or the place or the business or the people mm-hmm. um, that that you can then share with other people in the community. And then you share your stories of experience in other places. And, and hopefully what you bring to that um, that community is additive socially and culturally and, and otherwise. And, um, you know, we're finding that at the moment moving to this north of Barcelona. But it, it's very, it's interesting that the world has changed dynamically, I think, in the last five years in a way that probably no one mm-hmm. anticipated. I think people are spending more time uh, time in, in new places or places that aren't necessarily the centre of a city and, and they're spending more time in communities, but also trying to stay connected to the world of business or the world of um, of, of commerce or, or media or, or entertainment or whatever it might be that, that drives them. Yeah. And I always finish the, the podcast with the same question. I'm going to frame it a little bit differently so that we can really pull from your vast experience um, of working and living in different cultures. So if you were to give advice to individuals or organizations looking to create, I guess, more inclusive or culturally diverse work environments, because you've said so strongly here how rich that can be. uh, What would you, I guess, first, what would you advise them to do? And what would you tell them, you know, that maybe some of the potential challenges are at the beginning? Yeah, I think it's probably the, the biggest thing is to provide enough opportunities for for your teams and individuals to interact. So like personally, ideally that they can get together in person at least a certain amount of time, but absolutely that there's regular channels of communication and opportunities for people to collaborate across borders or across regions um, effectively on things. And I think otherwise you sort of end up with these isolated sort of groups and pockets and teams that, that sort of, you know, they know each other and there might be a, uh, friendly professional respect, but they tend to operate like team versus team. And we've seen a lot of that you know, competitive tension between different places. I think we found that we broke through that almost completely with um, with our distributed um, model post-COVID, but at the same time, we found it really difficult for people who are coming in for the first time. So how do you onboard people into such a close type of team, yeah. even though it's distributed, making sure that they have an opportunity to build relationships in a non-threatening way and, and work and, and learn alongside um, other people who've been in the business for longer and, and share their story, but also give them an opportunity to, to tell their story and for us to get to know them and in a non-threatening, but uh, you know, outside of work and, and outside of professional information. What's the history? What's driven them? You know, we've had people who are, you know, like on Dancing with the Stars or, you know, or, you know, so you think you can dance and other people who've had their own businesses selling coffee or soft drinks and, and sold them or, you know, had amazing life experiences, done amazing things, um, you know, personally. And sort of sharing more of that and having that opportunity to sort of get to know each other on a, on a non-professional basis tends mm-hmm. to accelerate the, the, the building of trust. And then for us in a professional sense, having yeah. things like buddy, buddy systems, like have someone who's like, informally just to just someone you can call and go I don't know how to do this or what does this mean or who can I call to help me with this or have you dealt with this problem before do you know anything about this industry so that they have someone who's a bit of an ally um, that they can build a close relationship with to sort of buddy up with them and then I think it's you know to, as I said with new people especially but taking those opportunities to get people together where you can um, and really 
not focus on aligning uh, teams necessarily with geographies, but actually um, taking opportunities where you see them, they've got um, what I call complementary skills or experience yeah. that that is, you know, one plus one equals three. And as soon as they build that trust, they've worked on a few projects. Sometimes it takes time because everyone works in a slightly different way or has a slightly different style. And I've, I've learned that myself working with teams in, in London versus Australia who, you know, some of, some of whom I haven't worked with before. Um, you've got to develop your own rhythms. So I think, you know, creating opportunities to, to understand rhythm uh, both ways, the ways, you know, what motivates people, where they come from, their history, what they're excited about now, and then sort of, I guess it's a chemical reaction in a way, but you want it to be a con controlled explosion, not, not, not <laughs> a complete disaster. Yeah. yeah, no, that's great. And just from your whole um, chat, you know, like there's some really key aspects that come out of it from, from you know, cultural literature, like the importance of building trust, um, resilience, the importance of curiosity, and all of the points that you hit upon is is backed up completely by research over and over again that these are really really core elements to living and working in a, a diverse setting um john i can't thank you enough for coming on the podcast it was really lovely to have you on uh, i will put your information if that's okay your linkedin profile um in the comments section anybody uh, wishes to contact you but i'm sure as always i'm sure we'll be talking again but thank you very very much again for your time and it was really wonderful what you shared today well thank you so much Emma. it was great to be here thank you for listening to this episode of culture shocked stay tuned i'll be back with more and in the meantime make sure to connect with me on linkedin